Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. As you read the book of Acts, you discover very quickly that this was an exciting time for believers. They had seen the risen Lord. His ascension had been witnessed. And they understood that the one who came to give them life was indeed alive. And he had gone to the Father and he had left them an assignment And that assignment was to go into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And not only did they have that assignment, they had been promised by him to have someone help them with the assignment, and that was the Holy Spirit. The Comforter would come, would teach them all things, and they would receive power. Power after the Holy Spirit came upon them and they would be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, under the uttermost parts of the world. Can you imagine that excitement? The activity of the Holy Spirit of God working in their lives. And then Peter preached in Acts chapter 2. And the Holy Spirit fell on them and authenticated the messages as each one heard in his own language the communication from a holy God. And then they got active. They decided to live out that truth in their lives. It was no longer just something that was an impression. It was real. They'd seen Jesus, they'd received the Holy Spirit, and now it was real as they worked it out in their lives. And here in Acts chapter 2, we see how they authenticated the message. We've been asking the question, how do we identify a spiritually mature church, a Christ-like church, those who are making Christ-like disciples? And in this text, we have seen six truths. We've seen two of them already. We will see six truths that help us understand what it takes to be identified as a mature body of Christ-like disciples. Now, we're studying this so that you and I can recognize what's necessary in our lives because we need this in the 21st century just like they did in the first century. And God's plan has not changed. God is still using us the same way he used them. Now, as I read the text to you this morning, and I'm going to begin with verse 42 and read down through verse 47, I want you to identify the connecting words, the ands, because each one starts a new sentence and gives to us one of the truths that were lived out in this early church's life. I also want you to note that they did this together. This was not just for the leadership. This was not just for some segment of the body. This was for everyone. So each one of us within the body needs to live out these truths as we work and share together in what God has called us to do here at this place we call Calvary Baptist Church. You follow along in your text, please. 
Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, we have looked at these truths already and seen two of them. First of all, they worked together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, to the fellowship, which included breaking of bread and prayers, and that was part of their activities. You know, we cannot get away from the apostles' doctrine, from the truth of the Word of God, because it is our foundation. Amen? And it is this book where we discover who God is all about. And it is this book that helps us understand what it is to live before God. And it is this book that recognizes how we are to conduct ourselves in the culture in which we live. They worked together. They wondered together. And awe, fear in King James came upon everybody. Isn't it great to see who God is? You and I ought to stand amazed as we recognize who our God is, a holy God, a sovereign God, a God who is in control of all things. I had an experience this past week that reminded me that we're not like God. I was driving to the office one morning and listening to WBCK, and all of a sudden I hear Daryl Burke on the radio. I thought, that's cool. And then as I passed his place of business, I saw him in the lobby of his place of business. And I thought, Daryl's omnipresent. <laughs> well, I knew that his commercial or his interview was, was taped. But I thought, I'm so glad God's omnipresent. God is right where we are all the time. And he never leaves us nor forsakes us. And we ought to stand in awe of that. But not only do we stand in awe of who he is, we also stand in awe of what he's doing. Have you seen God things in your life recently? I hope so. Look for those things. Because it's just amazing to recognize our God at work in our lives. And the wonder of God, who he is and what he is doing. Together, we share that awe and fear and wonder. Not only did they work together and wonder together, they also were together. Verse 44, and all who believed were together. And had all things in, in common. I want you to note 
that they are identified as those who believed. They were together. Believers got together. Last Monday, I went down to Indianapolis where we celebrated my parents' 70th wedding anniversary. And it was great to be there with my siblings and all of the spouses. And, and, and we, for, for six hours, just sat in a circle and, and shared. We were together. And one of the things that took place was my brother did some DNA work. You know, that swabbing stuff. And he, he sent it out, and I, I found out that I'm part Jewish. Both my dad and my mom have, have Jewish blood. Now, it's German Jew, and those are the ones who were part of the Holocaust, but I'm part Jewish. Don't be surprised to wear my yarmulke. <laughs> but my brother, did a, he, did, he did a great job, and he identified a number of my relatives, and I thought you might want to meet them this morning. This is a picture of my great, 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 great grandparents on my mother's side. Now, their grandparents came over from the old world. In fact, he came over as an indentured servant and had to work seven years to pay his passage. And then he was a free man to live in America. I thought that was kind of cool. That's James W. Barnes and Elizabeth A. Barnes, my great, 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 great grandparents. Isn't that cool? Now, on my father's side, this is Edward and Julianne. Edward was part of the Michigan militia and fought in the Civil War. I didn't realize that as an Ohio boy, I had Michigan roots. <laughs> Ken, you, 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 now you can think a little more of me, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, go boo. Isn't that what you just said? Go boo. After the Civil War, he went to Washington, D.C., where he worked for a while, and then migrated to Oklahoma where he owned a business, a merchant business, in Todd, Oklahoma. He died at age 48 when his store was robbed and he was shot. And that's my great, 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 great grandparents. Now, I show you all of that to say this. You know, as believers, you and I have the same DNA. Have you thought about that? We all have the same DNA. We all have been blood bought by Jesus Christ. Amen? And so you can trace your roots back to the cross. Where Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, buried and rose again according to the scriptures. And that makes us all blood relatives. Isn't that cool? Now, some of you are more excited about that than others. <laughs> I understand that. But last Monday, all of my siblings, and they're all weird, especially my next brother, Terry. 
Well, and my sister, Tanya, too. And then I guess Todd is kind of strange also. You know, you notice all those T's? When, when I was young, we had a bunny rabbit. His name was Tottentail. That was absolutely free. That didn't cost you anything. But we sat around sharing in each other's lives the impact that my parents had had on our lives. One of the things that each of the siblings did, each of my siblings did, was write a letter to mom and dad. We asked mom what she wanted for her anniversary. She said, just a mushy letter. You know how hard it is to write a mushy letter and still be honest? We sat around, as different as we are, celebrating our togetherness. One of the identities in that early church was that they were together, and they celebrated their togetherness because they were part of the body of Christ. All who believed had the same DNA and were blood relatives, and they recognized the common bond that they had together as believers in Christ. You know what usually separates us? What usually separates us is the minor things in life, the things that prick us just a bit, the things that would push us away. Celebrate the major things that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen? And not only were they together because they all believed, they were also together because they had all things in common. Think about the things that you and I have in common as part of the body of Christ. Let me give you an assignment. Go through the book of Acts and pick out the phrase, one accord. And you will discover some of the commonalities that these believers had because of their DNA in Christ. You will find the first one in chapter 1. When they gathered together in one accord to pray. You know, we ought to be able to pray together. They say the family that prays together stays together. And I would submit the church family that prays together stays together. And it's important for us to identify the needs that we have in our lives. And frankly, whatever your need is, is something that I ought to care about because I care about you. And whatever my need is, is something you ought to care about because you care about me. They were together. Wednesday night, we're going to have prayer picnic in the park. Why are we doing that? Because we want to get together. We want to do it in a public venue where others who are within the park system can see a body of believers behaving together because they're part of the family of God. In Acts chapter 4, they praised God together. In Acts chapter 5, they practice signs and wonders together. Oh, 
it's always good to see what God's doing. In Acts chapter 8, they paid attention together because the word of God was preached. In Acts chapter 15, they took Paul and Barnabas and they placed them into the gospel ministry and sent them out together. They were together. And they had all this in common. Do not let what we don't have in common skew your focus because it's more important to celebrate what we do have in common in Jesus Christ. Amen? And they were together. They were together. They were believers and they had all things in common. And it was a wonder of what God was doing in their, their lives. They were also willing to share together, verse 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. Now, I read that, and I've thought about it, and I've studied it, and I wondered, why in the world did they do that? Perhaps it was because they believed Jesus was coming again and they didn't need all that junk. I don't know. Perhaps it was because they realized it was more important to meet a need than to have it for yourself, for themselves. Perhaps they recognized how temporary stuff is. Connie and I last May 20th, celebrated our 46th wedding anniversary. Do you have any idea how much stuff we've collected in 46 years? Now, some of you are going, yeah, I know, I've got it too. You know, we have pretty much decided that when something breaks, we don't necessarily have to replace it because we've probably got other stuff. And we've also decided that we probably ought to think about getting rid of some of the stuff we got. Because we really just don't need it. I hate to admit to you, but there are boxes that we moved eight years ago that we've not been in. Do you have some of those? Just stuff. But the point is, they were willing to share what they had with one another. Now, this is not welfare, and this is not socialism. In fact, the Scripture makes it pretty clear that if a man doesn't work, he doesn't need to eat. And so if you want to go on a diet, just quit your job. But what this is, is recognizing that there are people who have needs and that God has given you and God has given me resources that we can use to meet their needs. That happens regularly here at Calvary. People invest in people's lives just to meet their needs. I could start over here and go up this section and down this section and up this section and down this section and identify people 
who just simply get out there and meet people's needs. Thank you. That was one of the qualities that that early church had. And it wasn't just about stuff. You know, I have discovered in my life that my time is probably more valuable than my treasure. My treasure I can get back, my time I can't. I could go up this section and down this section and up this section and down this section and identify people who give time. Who share. And that was part of the body dynamic that brought these people together. You see, sometimes we ask this question, should I or shouldn't I? Can I or can't I? That's not the question. The question is, why shouldn't I? You know about a need? Why shouldn't you meet that need? You got a good reason, then don't meet it. But the question that this early church had was, what can I do? How can I invest? Where can I be involved? What's part of my ministry? My spiritual gift, how can it be used? See a need, meet a need. That's so important. And that was important in that early church. They also worshiped together. Now, in your text, the sentence that begins in verse 46 ends in the middle of verse 47. So if I had been writing the scripture, I would have put verse 47 at the beginning of that and in verse 47. But here it is. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. That early church worshiped together. Worship is so important. You know what worship is? Worship is nothing more than identifying the wonder of God. That's worship. We call this the worship center. And we have gathered here corporately to recognize and acknowledge the wonder of our God. We did it this morning when I said, God is good. And all the time. That's the wonder of our God where all things do work together for good. Amen? Amen. And who doesn't work together for good? To those who love, do you love God this morning? Isn't it great to love God? It's easy to love God, right? My wife has a tough time loving me at times. I guess she loves me all the time. She just didn't like me so much. Because I do stupid things. My wife and I had a conversation yesterday about whether or not she was a good interpreter of body language. I told her she wasn't. That was a stupid thing to say. (laughs) 
And so we had a conversation about that. And as I figured out that was a stupid thing to say, I quit talking. My mom always said, when you find yourself in a hole, quit digging. But we gathered together to recognize the wonder of God. Amen? That's what they did. And I want you to see that they did it daily. Day by day. This wasn't just a Sunday deal. This wasn't just a church gathering deal in a formal way where they got together for a worship service in a worship center. Every day together they discovered the wonder of God. Amen? You want to do something that's profitable. Put on your Facebook posts every day the wonder of God. Dave Eubank, and I assume you still do it, Dave, posts every day what God has taught him in his devotions. Amen? And if we would do that, think of the impact that we would have on people's lives where they would see the wonder of our God. You have no idea who sees your Facebook posts or read your tweets on Twitter but I tell you what there are a lot of people that do and the more positive impact you can have the more honor and glory we give to our God so let me challenge you this week make at least one post on your Facebook page and most of you have them about the wonder of God working in your life now, that'll do a couple of things. One, it'll make you recognize the wonder of God working in your life. And two, it will be a public testimony to the wonder of God working in our lives. And where did they do this? They did it in the temple. Well, that would be an interesting place to do it, right? We ought to be able to do it in the temple, in the worship center. We ought to be able to do it where we are as we celebrate God. But they also did it in homes. Did you notice that? Day by day in the temple and in their homes. With glad and generous hearts, they praised God. <laughs> God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to be. All right, I want to take about 30 seconds. And I want you to turn to someone around you. And I want you to complete this sentence. God is good because. God is good because. You got 30 seconds. Go. All right, you done? All right. Now, I want you to, and, and this, is, this is going to be tough, but I want you to share with us just very quickly this morning what you shared. 
And I know this is going to be tough. And I've debated whether or not to do this or not. And after it's all over, I might say, well, that was a dumb thing to do. God is good because who'll share something? He saved me, Dave. Good. Richard, he died for our sins. Bob, I'm sorry? He keeps us safe. Amen. Somebody else. God is good because. Elsie. He, brought, he gave us friends within the family. It didn't need to have friends within the family. That do not always happen. What else? He is faithful in the back. He gave, gave you the love of your life. Clear in the back. He's holy. He's good because he's holy. Brought us together. Somebody else. He provides for us. God is good. Practice that, will you please? And as you do that, you'll be worshiping God day by day, recognizing the wonder of our God and praising him for who he is. Amen? Oh, I trust every day you can say God is good all the time. And even when things don't go the way you would like them to go, God's still good all the time because he is a good God. And he was, they were praising God. And then what did that do? That gave them favor. Did you notice that? They had favor with all. Let me tell you something. If you will praise God and make it a practice of focusing on who God is, that's going to give you favor with the people around you because that will be an encouragement to the people around you. They had favor. Remember Jesus? Jesus increased in Wisdom and stature, and then what, according to Luke 2.52? Favor with God and man. So this is nothing more than reflecting what Jesus did in our lives, right? Yesterday, we went over to Rochester to try to get in two baseball games. Sometimes, as grandparents, we have to check those boxes, you know. I saw my grandkids' baseball games. Well, as we're going over there, we're talking with our daughter who has uh, two boys playing baseball. And she says, she says, I got a boy who's Mr. Grumpy Pants today. Well, I immediately went to the older one because it's not unusual for J.C. to be Mr. Grumpy Pants. But it wasn't. It was Jonas. And Jonas had stayed up all night, hadn't gotten any sleep, and he was just Mr. Grumpy Pants. And when we saw him at the baseball game, my daughter's evaluation of him was absolutely correct. How often are you and I, Mr. Grumpy Pants, instead of praising God? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy. Put the Amen on it. worship together. 
And the last part of verse 47, they witnessed together. And what does the text say? The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Can you imagine the bell ringers in that early church? Now, we could have gone to Acts 2.41 and saw, we could have seen that there were 3,000 people that were saved. Woohoo! I wonder how long that bell ringer was. And now the Lord is adding daily to the church those who are being saved. And if you were to go to Acts chapter 5, you would see that there were more believers that were added to the body. And in Acts chapter 6, the word of God increased and the disciples increased, the followers of Christ increased. And even in Acts chapter 8, where there was persecution, they were scattered all over the place. And what did they do? They went everywhere preaching the gospel. Part of our responsibility is to go into all the world and share Jesus, the gospel. After all, was that not why they were given the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1? Now to comfort them, as Jesus had said, and to be their companion and to guide and direct, all that kind of stuff. But they were to receive power and they were to be witnesses. Witness to what God had done. And it was this early church that lived out the gospel in their lives. And 1 Peter 3.15 says, but sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Declare him to be holy so that you may be ready to give an answer to everyone that asks you a reason, the hope that is in you. Yeah, do it with gentleness and respect. <laughs> they witnessed together and the Lord added. You and I as we witness, God will add, right? Some plant, some water, but God gives the increase. And so in that early church, what identified them as a mature body of believers was them living out what God had done in their lives. And what will identify us as a mature body of believers is us living out what our God is doing in our lives.